following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Episode 838 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by your other host, Pretty Page. Listen, I know we don't typically do this, but I came across this story, and I think we don't give the police enough credit for what they do. Okay? And... I wish I had hero music to play right now. There's some expert crime-solving. There's some expert crime-stopping. There's some expert protecting the public. They're here to serve, and they're here to protect. Yeah. I think we all know that. And this case really makes it super clear that that's what they're here to do. Uh, If all you ACAB people are out there, listen up. Brittany has a story that I don't actually even know what it is. Here's what they did. Again, super great, serve and protect. An 82-year-old woman in Alabama. Up to no good, I bet. Was arrested Mm. after failing to pay her delinquent trash bill. Ugh. This is, I mean, goddamn. Hopefully everyone knows I'm joking at this this point. This is similar to that story we did about... The judge who was berating the elderly cancer survivor mm-hmm. because of the weeds in the alley. Yes. Remember? Yeah. If I could put you in jail, I would. Mm-hmm. And they did just that to this old lady. Yes. Yep. And the police department said that they were mandated to arrest the woman, saying, quote, while our officers can use their discretionary judgment on certain matters... The enforcement of an arrest warrant issued by the court and signed by a magistrate is not one of them. Mm. While our police officers have uh, uh, discretionary decision-making capabilities relative to arrest, not when it comes to trash bills. (laughs) Well, listen, they said that she was treated very respectfully by the officers. That's what they always say. And then she was released on bond for failing to pay her trash bill. Criminalizing trash bills. Yes. Mm-hmm. And where was well, where was this? This was in Alabama. All right. Martha Lewis Menefield of Valley Ugh. is is the woman's name. And apparently she had been issued a citation in August by the city code enforcement officers, which is uh, in, a, in a city called Valley, which is 80 miles northeast of Montgomery. And she didn't pay for tra- trash services in June, July, and August. Only three months? And so they tried to call her, tried to contact her, left a notice on her home, And this article says that she has a history of failing to pay her trash bill, that there have been more than 22 incidents of suspensions. All right. And uh, revoking trash services since 2006. So, you know, people get into difficult financial times and they find it difficult sometimes to pay certain bills that 
maybe aren't super necessary, like the trash bill. Right. They start um, negotiating which yes. bills need to be paid. Do I pay for my medication as a as an octogenarian? Right. Or do I skip the trash bill? And I, I believe in L.A. they just uh, changed their policy so that they're no longer going to be disconnecting water and power in situations where people are unable to pay. And think about that. We're just now in 2022 starting to have conversations like maybe we shouldn't turn off people's power and water when yeah. they can't pay for it. Yeah. You know, the thing that people need to power their homes and wash themselves and drink water, do like all these very necessary things to successfully live their lives. Maybe we shouldn't turn that off when they can't pay for it. Not in Alabama. They're not having that conversation. Yeah. Or arrest people because of it. Ugh. This is where we are. So then she's placed in a situation where she, if she can't pay her bond, she remains in jail. Mm. It's just criminalizing existence. Mm-hmm. Fuck straight off. Yeah. Straight all the way off. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely another way to handle this, and it is not arresting people. It definitely does not involve arrest. (laughs) So hopefully people know that when I was saying that the police are here to serve and protect, and that this was a perfect illustration of that, that you know that they love to waste their time on things. They're here to serve and protect the the budget of the trash pickup organization. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently that's what their goal is. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, sorry to start the show on such a, a terrible note. After all, it is December. We're approaching the holidays, the end of the year. And I think during this time of year, I get kind of uh, tired and... Angsty? Angry? No. No. Is that what's happening for you? No. Well, I get pissed off when people are abused. <laughs> and when stories like this come out, it's... No, I'm talking about the holidays coming up. Yeah, and during this year. time of the year, I get extra pissed off about people being abused. Oh. Because it's it should be a good fucking time. Yeah. Well, I think all year round, it should be a good time for everybody. Yeah. Well, yeah I'm going to one-up you, you. You start... Yeah, I know. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> you know, you reflect on those things, and mm-hmm. especially this time of year, this time this year. I'm thinking about how lucky I am to fucking be alive. Mm-hmm. And it, this kind of shit, you know, it puts a burr under my saddle or whatever the saying is. Well, <laughs> just remember this. Just remember this story for the asshole of today segment on the show because there are going to be connections. All right. Between that an asshole of today. We'd love to hear from you, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. So we have an email to read from a listener. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I'm Mike, and I want to first start off Hi, by... Hi, Mike. <laughs> and I want to first start off by saying what a wonderful job you two have been doing. I'm sorry to hear about your cancer. You look to be doing well, though, and I hope that you are well. In recent years, at least since Trump took office, we've seen a vast amount of politicians who are not afraid anymore to just spread wild and dangerous theories. What's interesting is this information cannot be repeated in a courtroom, and I'm sure you can list a few. Now, it's one thing when Fox repeats this information, but I think it's another thing altogether when our own government is doing this. 
Do you think we need to seriously consider as a country, reconsider how free speech is used in this country, especially for politicians and influencers? So people with X amount of followers, such as Elon, some might say this is a slippery slope, but this idea of managing free speech isn't new in America. If you work in a company that works with people's money, you'll find that there are a lot of rules and regulations placed on your content by the FEC. So you don't intentionally mislead your clients. Similarly, governments should not be able to intentionally mislead the people as this could result in a civil war. If a government person is unsure about something, they should be required to say, I can't prove this, but this will let the people know that anything that comes after it is an opinion. I have another topic I'd like to see you discuss, but I'll let you tackle this one first. Thanks again, Mike. Hi, Mike. <laughs> um, yeah, it is a little slippery slopey for me. I think that there are... Well, one, as far as the the FTC and 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 um, regulating stock price manipulation, you know, um, regarding Elon and trying to make announcements of things that he has no intention of of rolling out, like like auto drive that he said was in beta, and if you if you wanted it, you could download it, and if you were this level of customer or whatever, and then never did that. Mm-hmm. He does that all the time in order to pump up the stock price to gain value. And our government, both led by both Democrats and Republicans, are just weak and ineffective at actually leveling consequences on bad actors like Elon Musk. Setting aside the fact that he does not, he pays wildly little tax for being the richest man on the planet, or formerly the richest man on the planet. We just we we give too many uh, allowances for bad behavior to these assholes. Mm-hmm. I think, though, if, if we're starting to look at the government punishing speech and lying, yeah, no. But let the free market do its thing, and he is being punished based on his his poor behavior. Mm-hmm. Tesla's stock is down like 50%. On the year, it's tanking, mm-hmm. which is remarkable that this genius, fucking heavy air quotes there, this genius Elon Musk didn't realize that the people who buy his goofy cars aren't these free speech absolutists on Twitter. They're not MAGA world. Mm-hmm. The people who buy his cars are. Reasonable, sensible, um, middle and upper middle class people. Sometimes. Yeah, well, of course, not, it's not a rule. Yeah. Not every single human being who has ever bought a Tesla is a liberal. Uh-huh. But his audience isn't fucking, Donald Trump! This guy's not buying Donald a Tesla. Trump, baby! <laughs> you know. Apparently enough for a plane ticket, though. Well, no, well, he's, if, if he's, sa- all the money he saved on not being able to fly Delta... <laughs> He's uh he, he's doing well now. Yeah, well, and it gets a little murky even in Mike's email where he's kind of talking about the rules that should be placed on politicians and then also influencers, like people that have a certain amount of followers. Like, 
if you gain a large enough following on social media, then you should be treated like a government official. Or the rules change for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, some of those things start to get a little fuzzy for me because I'm not sure where the line is or exactly what Mike thinks should be implemented there. But we're, we're seeing the chaos right now of what happens when a right-wing billionaire who has interest in wanting to advance conspiracy theories really struggles with how to implement his own rules. So we're going to get into the Kanye stuff, but he he just banned Kanye again right? for ostensibly posting anti-Semitic posts. But, you know, the thing that really maybe set... <laughs> Elon Musk off was an image of Elon Musk on the yacht where he's very pasty and he's being sprayed with the hose by another guy. Yeah. And then Kanye got removed and Elon has actually made statements indicating that some of his decision-making process is just personal. Right. Like he gets annoyed or he gets irritated with something. And I mean, that's why like one billionaire who has enough capital to own this this public square space where people can talk about things and he just has the power to buy unilateral decision making to censor whatever he wants and whatever he decides there's no coherent policy right he has banned kanye for apparently anti-semitism but probably the yacht picture and then he let a neo-nazi back on the platform an actual neo-nazi back on the platform the the founder of stormfront the fucking nazi website andrew anglin's back on yeah so i mean fucking crazy Banning one person for anti-Semitism, allowing a neo-Nazi back on the platform. And, of course, we have the Twitter files. So Elon Musk has been doing the Twitter files where he's like, stay tuned. We're going to be giving you inside access to the uncovered Twitter files. And then he's like, hang on. We need more time to go through it and fact check it. (laughs) Right, right, right. And what it was is this this controversial story that was from the New York Post about Hunter Biden. And... It's not new. The information about what Twitter did or did not do to censor this story is not new because Jack Dorsey actually apologized for how the company handled the New York New York Post report mm-hmm. on Hunter Biden in 2020. He acknowledged that the company chose to restrict the distribution of the story, and he apologized for that and explained why that happened. Yeah. So the quote-unquote Twitter files are just meant to generate drama and support within the right wing and to well, <laughs> to signal that yeah. Elon is on their team. Also, for absolutely all of that is, I believe, fucking totally true. The, the, the interesting and hilarious thing about this is another situation where conservatives are running with it. You see, the government was trying to censor, la, la, la. And their example is that in 2020, Joe Biden asked, or the Biden campaign asked, hey, could we get some of these images of Hunter Biden's dick off of Twitter? And they're like, see, this is a violation of the, of the First Amendment because the government was stepping in. He wasn't fucking president. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump was president, and Donald Trump actually did do um, asking Twitter to not do certain things or do certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, l- let me wrap on Mike's thing real quick. The other thing I would say about this, Mike, is when we're asking about having the government do something, whatever it is, X, do you really want the government to be in charge of who can say what and when they can say it? 
You might think that now when there's the team that you support is in the White House. But think about allowing the government to control that when Donald Trump is president or the fascist Republicans are in charge. Mm -hmm. Always think about the other side of the coin and what would be the case and what would be the instances of such uh, a policy if we allowed the bad guys to be making those decisions. For sure. We'd love to hear from you, 657-464-7609. You can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We will move on to the Patreon mid-roll and find out why Sweepy is barking furiously. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. Thank you to our new Patreon supporters. C. C. Mysterious Monolith. Mysterious Monolith. And shout out to Patreon supporter Morgan L. Morgan L. Morgan L. Increased the pledge. Very kind. Thank you for that. We do not know why Sweepy is barking, but the show <laughs> must go on. So be sure that you update your address in the on Patreon's website before, let's just say before the third week of December. <laughs> do it as soon as possible. Don't wait because... As it gets closer to the end of the month, we're going to be shipping out the end of the year gift like we do annually for our Patreon supporters. And we want to make sure that the address you have on file is the correct one. If you cannot figure out how to go into your account and edit your address, then just message your address to us on Patreon. And I will ensure that it is added when we download all the addresses and and do the labeling stuff. So... If that is something you can't figure out, don't worry. Just send it to me and I will get it done. But if you can, check it, make sure it's right, add it in there, and and we will get that done. We're excited for you guys to see it, excited to get that out, and look forward to it. Yeah. The other way you can support the show is by buying some merch. Go to dollamore.info. We've got a few different designs. Abolish the filibuster. I don't care what the founding fathers said. A few new ones that are great, and every purchase of merch where you end up promoting the show you're also supporting the show and we uh we appreciate it very much we love you guys thank you so much for your loyalty and your listenership democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism So I want to talk about the Alex Jones, Kanye West, Nick Fuentes, all of this chaos that's been going on. and Fucking freak show. Yeah. Before we do that, we have to acknowledge that Alex Jones filed for bankruptcy. And as a way to protect himself from the the judgments, the civil judgments uh, from the Sandy Hook case. Yes, and I think that that's not going to go the way that he intends because according to people who are actual like bankruptcy law experts, bankruptcy can be used to wipe out your debt, but not if your debt is resulting from willful or malicious injury yeah. caused by you. So 
that seems to be the case for Alex Jones. I don't yeah. know how I don't know how he's going to get around that, given that defamation is like you know an intentional act of of injury. So he is also putting himself at risk because he's going to have to disclose all of his assets. Yeah. In court, and if you attempt to hide your assets or withhold them, that's a federal crime. Yeah, well, it'd be under penalty of perjury. You have to sign documents that, like, this is all the truth. Mm-hmm. And clearly, he's you know prone to lying. Yeah, well, and I think he's saying that his 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 current net worth, his personal wealth is between 1 million and 10 million. Oh, get that's, the fuck out of that's here. That's what he's claiming his assets are and that his liabilities are between 1 billion and 10 billion. So that's what he's laying out yeah. in in his personal bankruptcy. And remember the economist in the Texas case that testified their estimation was that he's worth between 135 million um, and 270 million. Mm-hmm. So What's going to happen? Is he going to try to lie about what his assets are when he's actually expected to list them out? I mean, he loves to lie. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. And this isn't a prediction, but I would not be surprised if he moves to Florida, buys a big fucking home slash compound, and is a way to shield himself. Because in Florida, if you file bankruptcy, um, you, can, you they cannot take your house. It's like the Homestead Act or something like that. Mm. So I would. Keep your eyes peeled for something like that. Yeah. Well, miraculously, Elon Musk has not let Alex Jones back on Twitter. Shockingly, really. Don't know why. Again, maybe there's some sort of personal animus that he has toward Alex Jones. That seems to be the most likely feature. Yeah. But since since Elon Musk took over on Twitter, we've talked about this, that the hate speech has just increased overwhelmingly. And specifically before Elon Musk bought Twitter... Slurs against black Americans, according to reporting from the New York Times, showed up an average of 1,282 times per day, 1,282 times before he bought Twitter. Yeah. After they jumped to 3,876 times per day. Now, if we're talking about slurs used for gay men on Twitter before Elon Musk took over, it was an average of 2,506 times per day. And after he took over, it jumped to 3,964 times per day. Wow. Anti-Semitic posts referring to Jews or Judaism has increased more than 61% in yeah. the two weeks since Elon Musk has taken over on Twitter. And part of this is because of his intentional platforming of people who spread anti-Semitism, yeah, right. racism, like Kanye West. He let Kanye West back on the platform. Kanye West has been making the rounds. He went on Alex Jones's InfoWars. He's making all of his appearances with Nick Fuentes. If you listened to the previous episode, you remember the clips that we played of Nick Fuentes. He's a toxic, racist, yeah. anti-Semitic, terrible person who apparently got ketchup thrown on him at an In-N-Out, if that was you. Shout out to you. <laughs> yeah, let me. I saw that clip. I didn't know what caused it. Him th- hurling a full soda across the in and out. Yeah. I would have beat him within an inch of his fucking life if I had gotten a drop of soda on me at his hand. Well, it's assault. I would have beat the fuck out of that little um, individual. So, 
before we get too far into who Jesse's going to beat and who he's not going to beat, we are going to talk about Kanye and his his statements on Alex Jones. And first, we're going to talk about who Kanye says he loves. Accounts because they've been frozen by the Jewish uh, banks. So I, I need to watch my mills. Well, CNN says why people are evil Nazis. So, I mean, I, I, I disagree with both statements, but I get the yeah, frozen. I don't, I don't like the word evil next to Nazis. I think we need to look at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just because you don't like one group doesn't mean the other. But look, look, I love Jewish people, but I also love Nazis. <laughs> oh man well i have to disagree with that right, but listen we're gonna go to break i'm 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 the i'm the crazy one here we're all crazy the whole world's crazy and and the whole power structure's coming down this is absolutely lit this is lit 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 number one show in the world right now everybody's no, everywhere fucking even alex jones is laughing uncomfortably yeah like trying to cover try later on in the broadcast he's trying to walk it back give kanye an opportunity to to fucking change course or reverse course and that's not what happens yeah well i think i wrote down alex jones's transitional statements there because i think we're gonna start utilizing those so the whole power structure is coming down this is a great segue we're gonna be <laughs> using that and then we're just gonna say we're the number one show in the world as well like i mean if he's yeah. saying that we might as well say that <laughs> the whole power structure is coming down we're the number one show in the world yeah i mean come on <laughs> you're not but going going to what what kanye west is saying there nick fuentes sitting on the other side of alex jones alex jones is in the middle Kanye's on one side, Nick Fuentes is on the other. Nick Fuentes, just full of glee. Oh, my God. And, and absolute joy, just beaming. He cannot stop Nodding smiling. in agreement and just over the moon that these things are being said. Absolutely. And, and unfortunately, like you said, like Alex Jones said, they were going to break. And it just continued. I've said it, the most Nazi-like activities I've seen... Um, and, and the Nazis, in my view, were thugs that shook people down did a lot of really bad things. But they did good things, too. We're going to stop dissing the Nazis all the time. Okay. We're, we're going to get to that. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Uh, I'm trying to get to a point here, yay. Yeah. So Kanye actually sounds a lot like I did when I was a kid. When I was in middle school, I, I have a memory of, of being taught about Hitler and saying in my class that not everyone felt the way about Hitler like the teacher was saying. Because in my house, there were pictures of him. And yeah. we like... Venerated him. Yeah, talked a lot about how there were nice things about him. And he was very handsome. And, <laughs> you know... Handsome? Yeah, I mean, that was part of the conversation. And... Cool haircut, great mustache, fantastic style on the Hitler. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, yes, this is this is... The way that I would respond as a kid when I heard people speaking badly about Hitler. Yeah, well, I mean, he is, he is, these are white supremacist, neo-Nazi, Aryan nation, white nationalist talking points. Oh, absolutely. And that's really what I'm getting at is, I mean, I'm trying to think of what would have happened when I was, again, a kid and I'm hearing Kanye West make these statements and I, I, if I'm putting myself in the shoes to have those views that I used to have because of my indoctrination, and then I hear Kanye West is saying the right. same things, like saying, well, no, not everyone is right about Hitler. He did some good stuff, too. I would have been like, holy shit. 
Right, a black man. Yeah, well, and again, I wasn't... That wasn't strange to me, uh, seeing people of color. There there were people that were not white that would come to the Nazi parties at my house. So I think that's a little bit more confusing for other people who aren't in these movements to see like a black man saying these things. But I think when you are in these movements, it's it's not uncommon to see people of color yeah. coming to these meetings and, and representing these things. I can't really explain that. I, I, I don't know how to explain that. I don't know why. I'm not saying it's very common. I'm just saying it's it's It not, lines up with your experience. Yeah, it's not something that is impossible. Right. It's, it's something that definitely happens. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, Candace Owens, I don't know when she said this, but she also talked about Hitler. You may remember where she said the only problem with him is like he went global. Yeah, he as soon as he started mucking about, I'm just a paraphrase, outside of Germany, then it was a problem. Yeah. You know, genocide inside his own country, eh, that's fine, you do your thing. But yeah. he did a lot of good things. So this isn't like the first time that we're hearing a black conservative commentator say yeah. something like this about Hitler. But Kanye just took it to the next fucking level. Absolutely. And in fact, he took it again to the next level. I don't think Hitler was a good guy. I get the uh, the Hugo Boss uniforms. Amazing. Uh, but I mean, just because you're in love with the design, you're a designer. Can we just kind of say like you like the you like the uniforms, but that's about oh, it. Oh, we we no. I, there's a lot of things that I love about Hitler. A lot of things. That is fucking remarkable. Yeah. Well, a it, lot of things well, and you that can, I love about Hitler. You can hear the desperation in Alex Jones of trying to find any way to give Kanye an out here. Like it's, Even Alex Jones is throwing him a fucking yeah. uh, a life preserver. Yeah, he's like, it's the outfits, right? It, let's Don't answer. You're a designer. Yeah, he's like, don't respond. It's the outfits. It's what you like. That's what you told me. We're going to end it there. Cut his mic. We're going to break. Yeah. Number one show in the world. <laughs> Power structures coming down. So there's been a lot of conversation online about how I've seen people comment that this is obviously a psychotic break that this is obviously Kanye being in a manic episode and I just no one knows that no one knows that the question here is if Kanye West were being actively treated for his bipolar disorder if he was taking his medications as prescribed if he was under active treatment would he still be insulting Jewish people and talking about Hitler. His love of Hitler. And I don't know. I don't think anyone knows the answer to that yeah. question. I think when you have a lengthy track record of having made anti-Semitic comments and attacking Jewish people, that that's kind of explaining just what your views are. Yeah. And maybe there's an element where because of what he's going through with mental instability that he's more vocal about these things and making more appearances than he normally would and getting a little bit more bold with the statements that he's making. But I just don't think anyone can look at the statements that he's making about Hitler, the statement that he's making about Jewish people and say, Kanye is it's only because he's mentally ill yes, or and mental it, illness. And if he were being treated for this, we wouldn't, be seeing this happen i mean i don't know well also how long does the manic episode last it's not like your lifetime is one manic episode yeah i mean it can last for months that is possible 
But um, I mean, again, we we just don't know his his history well enough. I mean, we no don't know one well does. enough to be certain that this could is the cause of this. Yeah, I mean, how long has he been making anti-Semitic statements? I mean, I don't follow Kanye, but it seems like every time we turn around, he's saying something racist, wearing a MAGA hat, hugging Donald Trump, going to Trump Tower before Donald Trump is even in the White House. I mean, it's it's a feature of who he is. And, I mean, there's been conversations that I've seen online about how some of what he's he's saying lines up with the ideology that is advanced by black Israelites. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know a lot about that, but they do often yell on the corner here. You'd think I would know more about them since they're out there every weekend, actually screaming into a microphone, filthy (laughs) fucking bigots out here uh, on the streets of DC. I, I don't know what their policies, you know, formal beliefs are about the Holocaust or Hitler, but they're certainly fucking anti gay, um, misogynist, they're, they're, they're bigots, to be sure. Yeah. I think the real danger here, regardless of what's going on with Kanye, whether mental illness is playing a role here, whether this is baseline behavior, given his deeply held positions and values, is that it is now giving other people permission to spread this hate, including other conservative commentators like Steven Crowder, who is now asking his audience, is there is there actually a conversation to be had about some of the stuff that we're hearing from Kanye? I don't think he hates Jewish people. I think he's been wronged. Yes. And I think that he's aiming sometimes a howitzer. He's being imprecise. Right. Yes. Um, but he's not wrong about everything. Look, is there a conversation to be had about secular humanists with Jewish last names in Hollywood exploiting people uh, in positions of, uh, you know, the performance arts talent. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, that happens in the conservative movement too, behind the scenes. People sign contracts where they don't know what they're signing. Yeah, it's true. Is there a uh, disproportionate number of people with Jewish last names in higher banking? That's, That's an argument that can be made. What conversation does he want to have? Mm hmm. And these are these are tried and true, time-tested anti-Semitic conversations that are continuing on again and again and again in conservative circles, being bolstered by conservative voices, being forwarded for the next generation to, we're just having a conversation here. Mm-hmm. The Jews control the media. The Jews control Hollywood. The Jews control the news. It's just the Jews control the banks. Mm-hmm. It's it's dangerous because it's not skirting up against. We're not walking the line of nearing white supremacy. This is Nazi shit. Yeah. We're full territory. Love Hitler. I love a lot of things about Adolf Hitler. Mm-hmm. We're here now. Yeah. And again, that's who Donald Trump hosted for dinner. I want to say briefly, so when I worked in the inpatient psychiatric hospital that I worked in, we had people who were called mental health workers and their primary role was almost like almost like security. Like they would kind yeah, of they like would an keep, orderly. Yeah, they would keep the peace and they were supposed to be present anytime a group was going on so that if something went wrong they could step in. And if a code was called, they would kind of run to the unit that something was happening, a code meaning like a violent outburst or something that needed to be controlled. They would leave the unit they were assigned to and immediately go to that unit to intervene. 
And oftentimes there was a higher proportion of those people that were black. And so there were many times where there were outbursts from patients. They were angry, upset, and they would use racial slurs against the mental health workers. I heard it happen a handful of times. And the mental health workers obviously were trained to treat everyone with respect, regardless of what was happening to them and to not take things personally. It would be very difficult in that situation to hear someone being abused in that way and to remind yourself that they were sick and that they needed help, right? But that's what you had to do in that setting. And it would be this this Kanye thing, right? Like people are hearing the anti-Semitic things that he's saying, the racist things that he's saying, and they're saying he's mentally ill, he needs help. That's like their go-to. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of being in the hospital. But when I looked at those people that were using the N-word against a mental health worker because they were angry, I didn't look at them and say, oh, because they have a diagnosis of schizophrenia, that's why that's happening. Right. There is something within them that has a view of other people that they are lesser or inferior and they've used racial slurs before. Right. That's why that's happening. Mental illness doesn't cause racism. Right. It might just remove the filter that would allow the racism to flow forth. Right. Or you have less of of an inability to regulate your emotions in that moment and that's how you lash out, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. But I guess people sometimes when they hear me talk about this, like I I didn't want to diagnose Trump, all that same stuff. It's unless I have someone sitting in front of me that I'm giving an assessment to, that I am evaluating over a period of time, that I end up giving a diagnosis to that goes on their medical record that is billed to their insurance, I don't feel comfortable stepping in and saying that's what this person is is suffering from because I'm just watching from afar. And, And so that's why I keep talking about with Kanye. I don't know his baseline. He's always been very eccentric and odd, and it's difficult to know where the line of being odd and eccentric is a normal baseline behavior for someone that's kind of artistic and strange and a representation of a diagnosable mental illness. Yeah, for sure. And so because that is difficult to assess, even when you're assessing someone, it is even more difficult to assess when you're watching someone make appearances on TV. Right. And you're really not even following it that closely. You're just like hearing the headlines when they say something that's ridiculous or racist or hateful. So in one more thing, because I don't want to keep talking about this for a long time, but hopefully people are just getting the message that I think things are a little bit more complicated and not as black and white. And ultimately we don't know because we don't have all the information. But it was reported that during the Tucker Carlson interview that Kanye West did, I think it was a few months now, it feels like it, that they edited out statements that talked about like his kids being taken over by spies or something like that. Now, obviously, those sound like paranoid thoughts, delusional thoughts. That is something that would be concerning and would indicate something is going on. Now, You could argue, well, he's also talking about conspiracy theories in terms of Jewish people, right? Mm -hmm. And things start to get murky in terms of where does his anti-Semitism, his prejudice against Jewish people, then become like conspiracy thinking about Jewish people and their control. And it, it just gets very murky 
Yeah. And and difficult to parse out. Well, one is like a specific thing about his kids, a, a delusion or a paranoia about them being replaced by spice or whatever. The other one is a widespread, generations-long conspiracy theory societally about Jews. Mm-hmm. You know, they in themselves are different. Yes, and even the DSM makes a an exclusion for certain types of conspiratorial thinking that is like widespread within the culture, you know, like a a religious experience, like people believing that God talks to them, for example, like that's a cultural phenomenon that is widely accepted within the culture. So it's not considered to be representative of a mental illness. Like there are exclusions for certain things like that. Now, Jewish conspiracy theories are not in the DSM. Right, right. <laughs> they just talk about... Is it because Jews wrote the DSM? So, Uh-oh. Yeah. What? Figuring it out. Don't, well, what? Don't give anyone any ideas. Okay? Let's not give anyone any ideas. So, clearly, Kanye West has problems. Yeah. I mean, that's the point. And it's unfortunate that he has people around him, like Nick Fuentes, like Milo Yiannopoulos, like Candace Owens, right? right? He finds like-minded individuals that want to advance these views, and it's unfortunate that people like that exist. Donald Trump is also one of those people, and Donald Trump, I don't know if you heard this, Jesse, is is calling for the termination of the Constitution in order to overturn the 2020 election. You know, the law and order president uh, wants to get rid of, uh, throw out the constitution the rules surrounding the constitution i think is what the the language was do you have it there yeah i have his post on truth social because he has not come back to twitter even right. though he has been allowed to by well, elon he's, musk he's he's got a financial interest in truth so yeah so he wrote in truth social not in the truth <laughs> he wrote do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner or do you have a new election? It's interesting what he chooses to bowl and it's, what he... It always is perplexing to me. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. I love that he says, a massive fraud, capital M, capital F, of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of the rules. Based on what? Because the the Constitution doesn't allow for a termination of the rules. But then it's, oh, well, yeah, well, then we got to toss that out, too. Well, listen, he talks about the founders. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. Also, founders is in air. It's in quotes and capitalized F. Yeah. Mm hmm. So this is after the release of the Twitter files. Yeah. Yeah, showing the uh, the controversy over the New York Post story about Hunter Biden's laptop. So be- because I guess Twitter at one point decided to censor that post because it violated a policy of like leaked and hacked information. And then Jack Dorsey apologized for that policy and said that they have changed those rules. Uh, Donald Trump apparently believes that this is the thing. Right. That (laughs) is what means he needs to be declared president is because Twitter decided to take this action on a Hunter Biden laptop story. Well, he is um, increasingly more and more unhinged as time goes on because he is under the scrutiny of the Department of Justice now. He's under the scrutiny of of Fonnie Willis in in, um, 
in Georgia. He has several cases that are working their way through the courts and some that are actually now with the jury where his business is being threatened, his freedom is being threatened. It's the walls are closing in on Donald Trump. Yeah, and that's even the case, like you said, for the the jury. They're hearing closing arguments in the criminal tax fraud trial against the Trump organization. Right, Joe. So this all centers around this idea that the company essentially, according to the indictment, was in cahoots with its former CFO, Alan Weisselberg, or vice versa, depending upon how you look at it or your point of view from the attorneys in this case, uh, that they were working together not only for Weisselberg to receive these perks uh, kind of off the books, not paying taxes on an apartment and a car and tuition for his grandkids for school and avoiding income taxes, but that in fact the Trump organization, and we're looking at its headquarters, that they were working together to uh, not have to pay certain payroll taxes and that the company also benefited from Weisselberg's scheme, which he's pleaded guilty to. And so that's the ultimate uh, question here is whether or not the Trump organization not only benefited, uh, but they were working hand in hand with Weisselberg uh, to be able to get these benefits, Joe. So what can we expect from the closing arguments today? Right. So I think both sides are going to kind of key in on Alan Weisselberg's testimony, but also this idea uh, that they've that we've been talking about since, frankly, before this trial began. And, and it centers around this. Did Alan Weisselberg could do this on behalf of himself for his own personal greed, as he stated on the witness stand? Or did he do it uh, as part of an effort with the Trump organization so that the Trump organization could benefit as well as Weisselberg? And of course, he's the uh, chief financial officer still on the payroll, even though he's on leave of absence and it has the opportunity to get a half a million dollar bonus in January. So it was a weird situation where he's testifying against the company that he has a bonus coming up for in just a couple of months. That is unusual. So, so what does it prosecutors need to prove in order to get a conviction and what kind of punishment then could the Trump organization face if convicted? Right. And that's really what their argument uh, to the jury will be about today is this idea of, okay, not only did the Trump organization get a benefit out of this, uh, but they willfully did it and they did it with Weisselberg uh, working with several others. And some of those individuals have testified at this trial to be able to get a benefit for the Trump organization. So they've already got the guilty plea from Weisselberg. Now they're going to try to say that Weisselberg and others work together to give the Trump organization uh, a benefit. And so they should be convicted. That's what we're going to hear from prosecutors if convicted the maximum penalty here well obviously they're not going to take the trump headquarters into custody or march it into jail uh, we're looking at just a fine here joe of just shy of 1.6 million dollars all right tom winter in new york tom thank you so not a substantial consequence for donald trump but there's already been appointed uh, a minder or a, an overseer or a monitor of donald trump's business practices or, and business because they're trying to like dissolve the company and restart anew in like Delaware or something mm-hmm. to try to hide assets and shift things around. And there are many more cases to come out, both civil and criminal. And things are just they're they're chaos right now, and not in a way that Donald Trump can manage. When it's when it's chaos created by Donald Trump, he thrives there because mm-hmm. it's he can manage that chaos. Now it's out of his control, and I think he's feeling it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm less interested in Donald Trump. Like, it, he's running for president, right? and I never hear from him, 
and I don't really care what's going on with him. I and think then, a lot of people feel that way too. Yeah, and then it pops up that he's like, "We need to get rid of the Constitution and reinstate me as president," and it's just like, "Okay, what?" Fuck what? a joke. Yeah, who's talking? Yeah. Is someone? Did <laughs> you did you say something? I, I mean, who cares? And then he's yeah. under all of these these tax fraud trial, and I mean. Why Why are we even having to hear from him yeah. or deal with him still? Well, the Republican Party hasn't fully cut bait yet. They're still afraid of the control he has over his his increasingly unhinged base. Yeah. And that's really the problem here. That's the, that's the difficulty that we face is he does wield some influence over the most unhinged element of America that could foment violence or or attacks i mean it's right. something that the federal government and in the fbi is is worried about has warned us about right. is these unhinged QAnon idiots being you know the gravest threat of domestic terrorism we face right now yeah so it, it's one of the reasons why we ne- still do need to keep an eye on what's happening mm-hmm. we'd love to know what you think call send us a voicemail send us a voice memo and uh, we would love to hear from you. It's the asshole of today. New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Eric, what is it about New York City that just turns a leader into an asshole? Well, in this case, he wants to involuntarily remove people who are mentally ill from the streets in order to apparently solve the problem of homelessness. Seeing human waste, stale food, dirty clothing, people who are dealing with mental health crises, and then we have the audacity to say that they should live that way? I'm just not going to do that. Mayor Adam is facing an issue whose solution has eluded mayors for decades, announced a controversial plan to involuntarily bring people with severe mental illness into hospitals for treatment, taking them off the streets and subways. He said it was both for their safety and the safety of the public. We're going to be more responsive, we're going to be clear, we're going to be compassionate, but we're not punting this issue. We're going to face this issue head on. So you might hear that clip and think, wow, he sounds really nice. Right. Why is he asshole of today? He's talking about compassion, how we shouldn't let this happen. We sh- what we shouldn't let happen is ha- let them eat stale food and have dirty clothes. Yes. And, and, and due to that, we're going to involuntarily commit them to hospitals. Exactly. Against their will. Yes. Stale food, dirty clothes. Mm-hmm. The safety of the public and, uh, as an ancillary benefit, of the people being involuntarily committed. Well, I'm glad that you're picking up on other elements of it because I feel like it's easy to listen to him talk about the compassion, and yeah. he, he even used the phrase, we have a moral obligation right. to do something here. And so he's saying all the right things, well, let, but where it falls apart is the solution. Yeah, let me ask you, Brittany, um, who's going to be doing the decision-making and the involuntary 
commitment of these individuals to hospitals. Who Who's going to be tasked with that? Well, listen, according to reporting from the New York Times, officials in New York said the city would roll out training immediately to police officers. Oh, <laughs> cops are going to do it. You know, the humanitarians. Yeah. I mean, also emergency medical services staff and other medical personnel, they're going to be training, but police officers in order to, quote-unquote, ensure compassionate care. Because mm. as we talked about at the front of the show, right. we know they're all about compassionate care, Cops. especially for people struggling yeah. with poverty. Yeah. Listen, if, if we have witnessed anything, especially in New York City, look, the stop-and-frisk days are well behind the NYPD. The shoving protesters violently to the ground, cracking their heads and and rendering them unconscious. Ah, that was just a couple of years ago. That's behind us. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a new day has dawned for the NYPD, and they're going to compassionately decide who must be committed to mental, mental institutions or, uh, or mental health care facilities and who doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're going to taste the food to make sure it's not too stale. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and people that have untreated mental illness are 16 times more likely to be killed during a police encounter than other civilians approached or stopped by law enforcement. And this is according to a study released by the Treatment Advocacy Center. I, I know anecdotally I have friends obviously who who work in the field and one of my friends is a urge a psychiatric urgent care manager he's a manager at a psychiatric urgent care and the text messages that i get from him complaining about things that happen at work are never about clients or patients they are always about the police and the police that bring the patients or clients to the facility yeah. or that respond to problems that they're having at the facility. Because police do not know how to handle these situations. They just don't. Rather than de-escalate, mm-hmm. they, you can guess what's coming next, they escalate the situation to where it becomes violent at their hands. Right, and that's why a lot of cities across the country have been moving away from models of allowing police officers to respond to mental health crises. They have uh, teams of people that go out with like social workers, paramedic, and and they respond without the police. So to have Mayor Eric Adams saying that the police are going to be trained. Who's a cop, by the way. He himself was a cop. Yeah, it's it's very insulting. But also so so the plan is to start involuntarily hospitalizing people who cannot take care of themselves. Number one, the criteria is very fuzzy. We don't know what he means by that. What does it mean? What does it look like when he says that someone can't take care of themselves and needs to be involuntarily hospitalized? Number two, he said they're gonna make sure that they have a bed for everyone and there's right. gonna be like fifty additional beds made available (laughs) new york city when there are hundreds to thousands of people that are homeless and have experiencing severe mental illness on the streets and so more than 1000 new yorkers are actually living with serious mental illness and are on waiting lists right now for government funded community programs and according to reporting from cranes new york business when Mayor Eric Adams was asked at this press conference about whether he was pairing this new directive with increased investments in those community-based services where there are waiting lists for the severely mentally ill to get treatment. He said, quote, 
not aware that there are long waiting lists. Ugh. That he was not aware. Wow. That there were long waiting lists for these programs. Really doing his due diligence before pulling the proverbial trigger on policies enforced by the government, enforced by armed agents of the state. Good job, Eric Adams. Right. So I want to kind of talk about this using an example of someone that lives on a street corner near us across from a metro. And they live right against a wall that it's a bank. He lives outside the bank and he has a little corner of space and he has like a very small mattress pad that he lays down and he has little plastic bins that are set up around his his pad. And when I say he lives there, I mean that has been his space for... The entire time we've lived here. Yes, he lives there. That's yeah. where he lives. And he seems to have mobility concerns. He struggles to walk a little bit. We pass him and say hello to him, and he he seems to struggle sometimes with maybe hallucinations or something appears to be happening. I'm, I'm not sure what his substance use is. Sometimes it appears like maybe he is intoxicated. I, yeah, I have I've, seen, seen, I've seen bottles in his back pocket. Right, so it's hard to really determine what's fully going on, but... He's not a, he's not a threat. He's never been a danger. Never. He... He's not breaking the law, any any law that's not surrounding criminalizing homelessness. Right. Does he look clean? Sometimes. Not yeah. all the time. Is he eating? I don't know how often he's eating. So a cop could go up to him and deem that he's not meeting his basic needs, right? He's not clean. He's, he's maybe not able to feed himself regularly. A cop in New York City could go up to him, harass him, and deem him someone who needs to be involuntarily hospitalized. Now, someone might be listening to this and thinking, okay, well, that would help him, right? That would help him. Why wouldn't you want him to not be in the cold? I don't want him to be in the cold. But I also don't want a cop to go up to him and say, we're taking you in, we're putting you into the system, who knows how long he will be there, who knows if he will ever get out. Aside from that, the better way to approach this is to have a collaborative team of social workers, a paramedic, respond to him maybe daily, maybe a few times a week, build a relationship with him, give him food, give him water, uh, ask him what's going on with him, ask him what he needs, build a relationship with him over time, get him to build up trust, and then start figuring out what he wants. Does he want to go into treatment? Does he need treatment? Is he actively taking medication? Has he been prescribed medication in the past? Does he need help getting that? Uh, talking about housing and, you know, how, how we can get that for you. Uh, that is the way that you deal with this situation. Well, the alternative to that is, is a, a cop, and let's not even call it harassment. A cop or a, a couple of cops on the beat come up and and assess what's going on to find out whether or not, and this is D.C., so this, this these New York City rules don't apply. Mm-hmm. But if this, we could just put this gentleman in New York City. And they determine, well, you're, you're eligible for, and we've decided you're going to be involuntarily held. Mm-hmm. You're going to be involuntarily committed to a, a mental health treatment facility. And if he doesn't want to, and a struggle ensues, right. What's the cop going to do? Mm-hmm. They're going to cuff him. They're going to violently um, restrict his freedom. It's, it could be another uh, another um, 
situation where a black man is killed at the hands of police because of a chokehold while a team of cops pile on and harm him. Right. Because they're not trained to de-escalate. Well, they are trained to do so. But when does that happen? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They will use violence and force to get their will accomplished. Right. And so that's the fear. That's the ultimate fear, right? That people will be killed because of this. That people will have a traumatizing experience that is a violation of their rights in in being institutionalized when there is another way to help people access what they need. And that is through investing in community health and investing in housing first programs. People think housing first means you just go up to that guy and you give him housing and you say good luck. That's not what housing first is. Housing first is you give people housing first. You meet their need first. You give them a place to live so they do not need to worry about that anymore yeah they don't need to worry about the instability of where they're going to lay their head at night or if they're going to be attacked in the middle of the night and they need to use meth to stay up all night so that they can protect themselves you know you give them the house first and then you give wraparound services you figure out what else they need and you give those in conjunction in conjunction with the home which by the way isn't just some willy-nilly fly-by-night theory it's evidence-based to be successful absolutely yeah, yeah. so if Eric Adams needs some advice, I'm available and uh, <laughs> happy to talk about this because I feel very strongly about it. But of course, we'd love to know what you think. And especially if you live in New York City, 657-464-7609 or I doubt it at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Jacinda Arden. Mm, Jacinda Arden. The Prime Minister of New Zealand was meeting with the Prime Minister of Finland, Sana Marin, and during a press conference, <laughs> they were asked a sexist question. A fucking idiot question. And we very much appreciate the way that Jacinda Arden handled it. Yeah, a lot of people will be wondering, are you two meeting just... Okay, first of all, <laughs> is Donald Trump asking this question... <laughs> A lot of people are going to be wondering, I shouldn't even attempt the fucking accent, but a lot of people are going to be wondering. Yes. And then he continues with the question. Yeah, a lot of people will be wondering, are you two meeting just because, you know, you're similar in age and, you know, got a lot of, you know, common stuff there, you know, when you got into politics and stuff, or can Kiwis actually expect to see more deals so between cool. our two countries down the line because my there first, is I mean, my first question is i wonder whether or not anyone ever asked barack obama and john Key if they met because they were of similar age uh we of course uh have uh, a higher proportion of men in politics it, it's reality because two women meet it's not simply because of the agenda uh finland uh Exports into New Zealand, $199 million worth of exports. They have particular technology in companies like Nokia, biofuels, uh, even basic uh, industrial wares that we use in our buildings. You won't be aware that a large number of our elevators come out of Finland, agricultural machinery. New Zealand, on the other hand, is trading about $14 million worth, and it's mostly in wine and beef. There is huge potential between us. The EU FTA 
EPA is a launch pad for that. But we need to make sure that as nations we don't just simply go through the motions of an FTA ratification, but that as individual nations we look for the opportunities to build on that economic agreement. So for me this is timely. Next year we're looking to progress that FTA. Our meeting today is a chance alongside the Prime Minister's high-level trade delegation of significant industry leaders. We really leverage the economic opportunities between our two countries. Little would be known about the depth of that relationship or the potential of it, but it's our job to further it regardless of our gender. Mm. Yeah, we are meeting because we are Prime Ministers, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so uh, a lot of people are going to be asking, are you girls going to have a pajama sleepover and braid your, 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 each other's hair? <laughs> is, is that what's happening here? Yeah, I just... What a dumb fuck. Uh... Also, that's the question he wanted to ask. Not many people are going to be wondering. Yeah, I just... It's, it's, it's comical, but it's also infuriating because it is... A reminder that no, no matter what level you get yes, to, <laughs> no matter no matter what position of power you get to, you are still going to be asked questions like this yeah. or assumed to be just up to childish antics. So there's no hope for you, Brittany Page. Like if if Jacinda uh, Arden is is still <laughs> being just discounted, yeah. a woman who has reached the pinnacle of power in her country, yeah. and influence and leadership. Yeah. And responsibility. Yeah. And it's, um, you guys gonna drink some wine coolers and have a good yeah. night? What you, what's going on? Yeah. I, I loved her answer though. She really, yeah, she really put him in it. his place. Yeah. Ugh. Taking care of biz. <laughs> you know, it, it, this could have been taking care of biz and asshole of today in one segment. It's typically how it goes. Because that reporter, god damn. Yeah. Like, what a fucking idiot. I bet he feels terrible. Yeah, but it is a question designed to be shitty. Are you meeting because you're the same age? What? I mean, when you say it's a question that's designed to be shitty, I think a lot of people don't think about their knee-jerk responses to seeing like a young woman in a position of power and the sexist thoughts that they have about that. You know, I, I really yeah, think I it's just sub like it's something that they're not actively thinking about. And hopefully this is a moment for him to be like, you know what? What the hell? What yeah. is wrong with me that I assumed that? Yeah, I I think we're all programmed as misogynists. All of us, women, men, in, in especially in America. Mm -hmm. Certainly the world. I mean, it, it just is that way. And you have to kind of retrain yourself. There are times where I don't like someone. We've had this conversation before. Like there was a bartender at a place in Orange County that we liked. And we and she struck both of us. She rubbed both of us wrong. And we didn't like her. And we started talking about it, not with her at the bar, but we started talking about it amongst one another. And we realized it was because she was strong and she was comfortable in her skin and she was confident. And for some reason, we... We were turned off by that. And then once we recognized it, we were like, oh, fuck. And we saw her in a whole new light. I do this when I watch the news or if someone is like a woman who's a presenter or an anchor or whatever. And if it's, I don't like her voice, I don't like this. I'm like, well, that's shitty. That's a fucking stupid reason. Right. That's misogyny. Yes. That's just, 
that's just decades of being trained up uh, by misogynists. Right. So that's the important thing, right? I mean, it's it's funny to talk about how he asked this question. Hopefully it's a moment of reflection for him to think about, okay, I saw these two young prime ministers meeting and because they're women, I assumed that they are just kind of like talking about fashion and what it, you know, what kind of curling iron they use on their hair. And <laughs> well, my thing is, I don't want to let him off the hook too much because he still wrote his question down, had time to think about what the question he was going to ask was and asked it. Mm-hmm. There was no reflection. There was no planning. There was no strategy involved in just asking his shitty pajama party question. Does it seem like I'm letting him off the hook? Like no, I no, sent no. him an email asking if he wanted to be best friends. Well, you did book him to be the fucking co-host of the show. <laughs> and uh, This I, is your last show, Jesse. I had I'm sorry. To, I had to make a call to get the tattoo of his face removed <laughs> from your back. <laughs> Don't use a variation of my favorite joke. <laughs> Listen, the whole power structure's coming down. This is the number one show in the world. (laughs) Oh, there's no better place to end than there. We love you guys. We appreciate you very much for supporting the number one show in the world. And, you know, listen, we're holding power accountable, and the power structure is indeed coming down we uh we appreciate your support and your listenership if you'd like to help support the show help produce the show go to patreon.com slash i doubt it podcast go to dollamore.info to buy some merch and help support what we do we love you guys we appreciate you we'll see you next time for Brittany page i'm jesse dollamore this has been i doubt it